Hi, folks. Chris Voss here from thechrisvossshow.com. Thechrisvossshow.com. Hey, we're coming at you live on the podcast here on YouTube. Uh, be sure to hit uh, the buttons on YouTube to subscribe to the show at youtube.com forward slash Chris Voss. Hit that bell notification button so you get all the notifications of everything we do. You can also go to chrisvossshow.com and subscribe there. Of course, we're on iTunes, uh, the Chris Voss Show, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio, all the syndication places you can get all the podcasts there and also we are part of the cvpn you can go to chris Voss podcast network and see seven of the different podcasts we have one for gaming one for the general of course chris Voss show flagship uh geez spatial computing startup unicorn podcast uh geez there's a whole mess of them over there go see theirs book author podcasts etc this will be a podcast that's appearing today on two of our channels for podcasts one for uh chris voss gaming and uh podcast and the chris voss show so be sure to subscribe to either of those if you want to hear more of both uh today we have jim bottomley of ghost fish games they're launching their new game on steam and ps4 uh called Tabletop Gods, I believe it is. Tabletop Gods. Welcome to the show. How are you doing, bud? Not so bad. Thank you for having me, Chris. It's nice to be awesome here. Sauce. Uh, so we're going to have you guys on the gaming podcast right now, uh, as well as the Chris Voss show. So you guys will be on two podcasts for the price of one, if you will, although we didn't charge you for it. We're <laughs> uh, first the audience. Uh, it's a dollar for everyone. Uh, so yeah. pay now. Uh, anyway, Jim, uh, so... Uh, give us tonight. Give us a sense of who you are, what your background is, what brought you to this point in time, and uh, then let's talk about the company after that. Okay. Um, so, as you said, my name is Jim Bottomley. I am the design director at Ghostfish Games. Uh, Ghostfish Games. We 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 are currently developing a, a PC stroke VR game. But let's go back in time a little bit to where I come from, just to kind of put you in the picture. I started in games back in the very early 90s, so I am rather old school. I started back doing the kind of, even the 8-bit and 16-bit stuff at Core Design, the creators of uh, Tomb Raider. I, uh, I famously told Toby Gard, the creator of Lara Croft, that he would never get that damn game made at this company just before I left, which <laughs> is <weird. laughs> I, I fear I was incorrect. Um, uh, after that, so I started as a programmer. I got the... Um, I left university with a degree in computer systems engineering uh, and therefore naturally moved into programming, which I really, really wasn't very good at. Uh, and after spending three months uh, porting my first game, so we were developing a game called Universe, which was a point-and-click adventure. Uh, we were developing that on the Amiga, but they wanted a PC version as well. So I started the porting job on that. Uh, wasn't doing very well. Uh, but fortunately, I spent a lot of time messing around in D-Paint. I'd never really messed with D-Paint before. And actually, most of the time when I was at university, I spent more time drawing underground comics for a comic back home than I did actually doing computer systems engineering stuff. Uh, so my boss basically said, Jim, you're obviously no good at programming. Do you want to be an artist? Now, th this wouldn't happen nowadays. <laughs> so, but uh, back, in the, back in the day, that wasn't massively uncommon. I made the switch to art, and I stayed in art for a long time. Um, probably, let me think, eight years or so, eventually working up to art director through various companies. Um, after core design, we started a small uh, indie development team. I don't know if some of you guys remember Eighth Day, um, mm. and we changed our name to Aliens from Art Space. We did a game called Heimdall on the Atari. Oh, wow. Yeah, uh, that wasn't me. I can't take credit for that. I joined the team after that. But, mm. um, we did a few games on PC and console, then went to Software Creations, which did a lot of uh, early Game Boy stuff. We, we did a whole, a whole raft of things, PlayStation 1, 
um, DS stuff. Uh, so I became eventually art director there at that point. And uh -huh. then shortly after that, sorry, you, you want to have a question, Chris? No, I was just saying, uh-huh. Oh, okay. And then um, shortly after that, I kind of made the shift into design when we needed a designer on a, on a game that we'd started developing called Gladiator Sword of Vengeance, which was a, a third-person kind of hack-and-slash roaming game that was on PlayStation and PlayStation 2 and the original Xbox. Wow. Um, so shortly after that, Software Creations uh, went out of business. We were all bought by Acclaim. So I worked at Acclaim for a few years, then Acclaim went out of business. Uh, eventually, that, that, my, my career is a litany of companies going out of business. I don't know whether it's them or me. Um, and then I spent a, a short time, that was my first stint in mobile after that, very early mobile, not like smartphone stuff, you know. Mm -hmm. um, that was interesting. Uh, Design-wise, just as challenging, if not more so, than, than working on console and PC. Mm -hmm. um, then I went to work for Vivendi Universal. Well, have I skipped a few years? Yeah. No, I went to work for a small company called um, Swordfish, which was part of Vivendi Universal. And there I worked with the guys at Massive on, um, we, worked, we did a game actually first called uh, Interview with the Made Man. Uh, and then we went to work on the World in Conflict, which was a PC game, uh, PC RTS, which uh, they were wanting to get onto console. So we were covering the console side of that for them. Unfortunately, that never saw the light of day because towards the end of my time with that company, uh, Vivendi bought Activision and Activision closed a few studios, let's put it that way. It was at that point that I kind of had enough of losing my job or being put out of work. Uh, and my wife and myself said, "Let's." we'd always talked about moving countries. So we said, let's try Canada. So we moved to Canada, literally within three months, I had an interview with a, a crowd here called Other Ocean. Um, they were looking for a, a design director. Uh, I had an interview with them and three months later, I'd left England for good. We'd sold our house uh, and, I was, and I've been here for 11 years since then. So Other Ocean, we're around, well, they're, they're still around. I mean, Ghostfish Games is part of the Other Ocean group. Oh, wow. I was with Other Ocean um, for how many years would it have been? Seven years, six years? When we were um, we were bought by Electronic Arts. Um, mm -hmm. Charlottetown, I don't know if anybody knows, we're based in Charlottetown in Prince Edward Island, which is in Atlantic Canada. And it's quite a hub for game development. You wouldn't think it, but it is. Uh, wow. And... Uh, if anybody's familiar with um, the EA mobile game, The Simpsons, Tapped Out, which was phenomenally successful, that started here in, in Charlottetown, and it was actually started by a development company called Byte, who got bought by Electronic Arts, and they were desperate to staff up, and at Other Ocean, we had a lot of people, so it made sense that they, they essentially acquired the studio, but not Other Ocean itself. Other Ocean continued to exist as a separate entity. Other Ocean's headquarters is in, is in Emeryville, on the west coast down there in the states uh, so we worked at other ocean for uh, sorry at uh, electronic arts for about three years which is during that time um myself and, and two of the other guys we, we kind of flirted with the idea of doing our own thing uh, it never really became a uh, reality for about three years when i decided to leave um i kind of had enough of doing mobile and the free-to-play thing it's you know <laughs> some people love it some people hate it uh, it's not it's not my cup of tea design wise so we'd actually approached other ocean again to ask whether uh -huh. they could consider setting up another studio and they mm -hmm. said yeah sure and we were like oh okay <laughs> so i was the first to leave uh, and then and then like the two guys that came on board they, they left afterwards uh, having decided to leave for their own reasons leaving here and the three of us basically head up ghostfish games for other ocean uh, under the purview of deirdre air who's the head of canadian operations 
um, who basically runs all the Canadian studios. We have nice. the studio here, and we have a studio in, in St. John's in Newfoundland, as well as the, the headquarters, which is down in down in uh, San Francisco in Emmerville. Awesome. Uh, so we so we are goldfish like i said goldfish games we've been around now for a couple of years and in that time we when i first left i was the employee of goldfish games uh, before we were even called goldfish games we only named ourselves fairly recently we procrastinated for ages and we came up with goldfish games, <laughs> goldfish games. Uh, i helped out on giant cop which is a vr title on the rift and on vive uh, i helped out on that on the latter stages of that when i first left while i was getting the early design work down for what was to become tabletop gods mm-hmm. uh, we also worked on our team also worked on minecraft on the 3ds so we brought minecraft to the 3ds a task which most people thought was impossible uh, which our tech director has literally lost hair doing but we, we did it uh, which was quite an incredible feat we also worked on bringing um, rick and morty virtual reality from pc to the playstation vr mm-hmm. uh, and we got an Emmy nomination for that, which was nice. We didn't oh, win. We got the Emmy nomination. <laughs> Not just ourselves. Obviously, Alchemy, they're the ones who, I suppose, can really say the credit they designed the game. But it is nice to be kind of associated with that. that is uh, awesome. yeah. Cool, thanks. And during that time, we were developing Tabletop Gods, which is our first original IP. One of the things we were interested in, obviously, in founding Ghostfish Games was to create our own IP. Wow. Be uh, masters of our own destiny as much as we can, obviously. There you so. go. Uh, so yeah, that's that's brings brings us up to date, I suppose. Um, cool. So you guys have built this tabletop gods. I think it's interesting that you have it available both on desktop PC and VR, which is was was a hard to do both. Uh, yes and no. Uh, hard in the sense technically hard. Yes, uh, it wasn't a hard decision to make though. Um, okay. When we, when we started off, we, we obviously were talking about the types of games. Obviously, you do. You know, you're sitting around, you're in a pub, or I think it was during summer, so we were probably out on the deck here enjoying maybe one or two. But think about the types of games we'd love to make. Uh, we obviously knew that VR was a thing. Um, um, VR kind of, I've always been interested in virtual reality. I was interested in back in the 90s when there was like, well, arguably some people call it Wave 1. It's more like Wave 2 or 3, really when Jonathan Walden was around and Jaron Lanier was first touting all his ideas about virtual reality. I was big into it as a concept then. Um, but the hardware just wasn't up to it back then. And I've always kind of always been interested in doing, you know, a game about you know, uh, based in like a, in a you know, VR media medium. Um, so we, we, we discussed that as well. But we also said, well, look, you know, VR is um, it's a small market. It's really difficult. Um, you've got to be incredibly successful if you want to make money in that market. And, you know, we've got to be realistic and we have to make money. So yeah. we designed Tabletop Gods from the offset to be both. Um, we're kind of avid board game players. Uh, we mm. love board games and card games. And what we love especially about those formats is the social aspect. Um, we love, like, players actually being, you know, we call it co-location, you know, being in the same place as normal people call it, where you actually can talk to people, you can laugh together. Um, it's, it, there's a real great, and, you know, obviously there's online gaming, but it's not quite the same. Um, so we wanted to bring that experience into the video game world. Um, VR obviously makes that possible because, like, you know, in VR you have this this sense of being, the sense of being in, in a place with other people, which is much stronger than it is non-VR. But we still wanted to give that experience to everybody. So... We talked about various ideas, and Tabletop Gods is the one that kind of came through. Um, a kind of an RTS light um, 
uh, I, we describe it as a cross between Clash Royale and the old Atari classic Rampart, just because it steals ideas from both. Mm -hmm. um, we wanted to make a game that was a little bit more in depth than something like Clash Royale, but also very approachable and quick to play. Um, Google had done some research a few years ago now, probably, so I'm not sure how out of date it is now, but they've done some research where they said that people's experience of VR tends to be around the 30 to 40 minute for interactive VR experiences, longer if people watching movies or doing other kind of non-interactive stuff. So we very much took that to heart, and it's, it was kind of um, in line with what we wanted to do, uh, have these nice quick experiences that you could have a, an entire game loop within you know, 15 minutes, you, you could hop in, have a game, and go and do your business elsewhere. Or, uh, or you could stay around and you could play multiple games. So what we came up with, like I said, was Tabletop Gods. Um, nice. and Tabletop Gods is a game where players play the role of, um, of gods vying for control in the heavens, the Elder God. This is just the law. It really has a little bearing on the game. It's just a conceit for the game. The Elder God has disappeared, and the gods have decided to hold this tournament to compete for who should be the Elder God. Uh, and they're doing this by, obviously, as gods do, in a kind of uh, Ray Harryhausen kind of Clash of the Titans kind of way, is that they're using their minions to do their dirty work for them. So players can choose a faction to bring to a table, uh, and literally it's almost like a coffee table. The tables are not very big at all, and that's so that it heightens the sense of uh, the gameplay. The gameplay is very fast-based. It's not slow like typical RTSs because we borrowed from uh, Clash Royale, which has that kind of choose a troop, deploy a troop, and then the troops are autonomous. Once they hit the table, they do their own thing. The real trick in both Clash Royale and Tabletop Gods is that you're managing your mana, which is basically how much you can spend to deploy troops. You're managing um, where to place them, because placement is incredibly important. And then the combinations of which troops you deploy on the table. Um, oh, give, us the, give us the website, people. Look it up. You can find it on Steam, Tabletop Gods. Uh, there's yeah. also a website that you can look on to get more information. Uh, there give us the website for that. Yeah, it's www.tabletopgods.com. Um, you can go there. You can find out all about the game there. Um, just look up Tabletop Gods on Steam, and you'll you'll find it there immediately. You can also follow us on Twitter, at Tabletop Gods. And if you just do a search on Facebook or on Instagram, you'll find us there as well. Just look for Tabletop Gods, all one word. And then you, we, we regularly update um, all the social channels and stuff with regular videos and teasers and things like that. Yeah. And then how soon do you guys see it coming out on? Now, can I get it on VR on Steam too? Right. Okay. So in reference to the PlayStation VR that you're coming out with soon. No, on Steam, uh, the, the, when you buy it on Steam, and it's mm -hmm. uh, $19.99 USD, when you buy it on Steam, you get the PC version. And if you also own the VR rig, you can play it in VR as well. You don't have wow. to. You, so you can play it just uh, pancake mode is what I've heard a lot of people refer to it as nowadays. Flat screen. Oh my really god! Good. There's a term now for a 2D game. I know. That's what I've heard. <laughs> wow, man! We're already throwing shade <laughs> on 2D games. Wow! I only, I only wow. That's where we've gone. Wow! Describe, you know, you've got a 3D game, but it's on a 2D. In in the old days, you had three games that were 3D. Oh man! Wow. Now you've got a 3D game, but it's on a flat screen. Wow! It's very, very confusing. So that's the new that's the new VR shaming for people. I know, I know. <laughs> so, but most of our players. Big <laughs> games! Wow. Now every time I'm gonna play a game on you know, normal yeah, VR, I'm gonna be like, I'm just a pancake game. Or whatever. Why? Why am I hungry? I need breakfast. <laughs> um. Yeah. Most of our players, most of our players, uh, actually play. 
pancake <laughs> we're on VR. Um, because it, I mean, we designed it from the ground up with both in mind. We absolutely did. Again, because and, we, and obviously, you players can play together. They're not segregated in any way. So when you're in yeah. VR, you can play against people who are playing in on VR mode. So, uh, so now I'm going to go out to buy a VR system so that I can go around bullying and shaming people. Oh, oh, you're just a pancake. Gamer. Yeah, just pancake, dude. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I'm oh, not I know that was coming eventually. Yeah. Um, so, so, I don't know if sorry, go. On. How so? So, you guys have it on VR now uh, in tabletop games. I just got the code, so I haven't gotten a chance to play the game, but I'll, we'll definitely be playing it. Of course, we'll have a review on the Chris Voss show and Chris Voss Gaming Pod or Chris Voss Gaming.com. Um, how soon do you guys see it coming out on PlayStation? Um, we're currently. Um, we're currently developing it on PlayStation. Uh, okay. It's been in development for a while, so we don't have any firm dates. Um, okay. Within. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't. We're making we're making great progress, uh, and we're not we're not years away. We're a few months away. So, mm. Mm. Um, but, you know, take that as you will. A few months could mean you know sure. three to five or whatever. Um, as for the game, is currently you know as I said, it's currently in early access on Steam. Uh, and again, just to reiterate, non VR and VR is the same build. You buy the game, you can play it either way you want. Um, and we're coming out of early access imminently, and uh, within within a couple of months. So it was important to us that when we hit early access, it was to try and get a player base together. Um, one of the things that we set out to do in our company was to was to create fun games. I know it sounds a bit cliche, but it's you know the fun comes first, and kind of build it, and they will come. Field of Dreams. Um, we built it. They're a bit slow to come. It's Steam. Uh, there is a massive amount of competition, and getting visibility is is the, is the tricky part. Hence, it's great to be invited on shows such as yours. Um, mm. But we have, we have. I mean, the in, the arena um, aspect of our game, where multiple players come into an arena, uh, and there's a table in the middle of that arena, and two players step up and fight out against each other. In this, on, it's really great. We have regular meetups on Thursdays where we have, which is, which is usually the biggest gathering, uh, and it's just a laugh. It's a riot. It's it's kind of akin to the old kind of people putting down their twenty five cents on the pool table, you know, and people just stood around chatting and talking while there's a game going on in front of you. That's the way the game works. Uh, it's a it's a very social game, and going back to how I was talking about, the, we wanted to mimic that social aspect that you get from board games and that kind of camaraderie and and uh, you know and, and being able to friendly grief people face to face kind of thing is, <laughs> is always great fun. Um, I don't know if you want me to describe the game a little bit better. I probably didn't describe the game very well. Uh yeah, tell us about the game, man. Uh, okay. you, can, you can of course see it on tabletop games the scene. Uh, tabletopgods.com and Steam. Uh, it looks like a really cool game. Uh, what would you call these sort of? Uh, um, uh, what, what what type of game would you call it? Um, it's tricky. It's um, I okay. say it's, I, I I do describe it as RTS light. Okay. Uh, the only reason I describe it as that is because we don't have micromanagement, so that once troops are on the table, um, they do their own thing, and it's up to you to decide where to put the troops to best effect. Um, whereas traditional RTSs, you know, you can deploy troops and you can select them and you can give them orders. Um, we wanted a very fast, visceral arcade experience. And in early builds, we had experimented with being able to guide troops around once they're on the table. But quite honestly, there was such cognitive overload, it slowed down the game. In order for players to make meaningful decisions, we had to slow things down a lot. And that went away from our kind of our, our desire to have this kind of fun, in-your-face arcade experience. 
um, it was it was amazing the difference it made. So we very quickly kind of decided that you would choose a troop, deploy a troop, choose a spell, deploy a spell, um, uh, just just to keep the pace of the game going. Uh, the game itself is played over three rounds. Each round is three minutes of war, and each war phase is has a precursor prepare for war, where players place down defenses, they can place down towers and traps, and they do that in secret so the other player can't see what they're doing. Uh, and we, we find that that's, that that basically upsets the game most of all because it's really good fun, especially in that you know, second or third round. You're reacting to what the, what your opponent did in the first round or the second round. Mm-hmm. You're down your know, defensive towers and traps. Uh, and you have a very limited sh- uh, amount of time to do that. And also during that time, you get to switch out troops. Uh, so if you want to surprise you know, your opponent yet again, you can switch out a troop and, and they won't know what they, you're bringing to the table this round. Uh, and basically every round has these two phases. Mm-hmm. Uh, a game lasts no longer than 15 minutes is absolute kind of unless you go into like a really extended sudden death uh, the aim of the game is quite simple you have a certain number of towers on your side of the board there are a certain number of towers on the enemy side of the board and you have to destroy as many of their towers as you can in the time given and the side that destroys most towers wins cool the goal of the battle is simple destroy more of your opponent's strongholds than they do of yours indeed yeah yeah you can so push forward the battlefront by destroying their towers, and that gains you a little bit of territory. Yeah. So coming from you guys' websites, coming from you guys' website, in Tabletop Gods, you play the role of a god vying for power in the heavens. Lead your troops into explosive real-time battles that rage across tabletop battlefields. Customize your armies, build defenses, cast spells, command your troops, set traps for your enemy troops, and deploy your own troops to fight to destroy your opponent as you compete for power in the heavens, single player, head to head, and spectator modes. Pretty cool. I mean, it, yeah. it looks like a kind of a, like a multifaceted game, uh, as opposed to just being like you know one sort of genre. It's it is a bit of a mashup, like I say. I mean, gameplay wise, the fact that we've got these two phases, we've got this prepare for war phase and the war phase, and that's where we kind of say, well, the prepare for war phase that's similar to I don't know if you remember Rampart back in the day, well, you know, it's, it's an old game now. Uh, and that game run in a very similar manner. You could build walls and set defenses, and then you would have a phase whereby you had to defend your defenses, and then you would get to rebuild them. So uh, when we initially made the game, we, we we had no prepare for war phase, and we just had this straightforward three minutes of carnage or 15 minutes of carnage. And wow, <laughs> it's, it was insane. So it was our creative director actually down in Mike Micah, down in Emeryville, suggested, oh, guys, you you want to you wanna do the rampart thing. You want to split up into phases and... And we were like, mm, I'm not sure. And we implemented it and we went, yeah, that's it. That's what we're doing. That's exactly the thing we need to do. Um, so that's what we do. We have, you know, like I say, each of the rounds has the prepare for war phase and a war phase. Um, and it works out really well. It, it creates a great sense of kind of, it, you get to strategize in the prepare for war phase, but the war phase itself is more tactical. Um, and it works out really well. What can I say? <laughs> awesome, man. The screenshots look pretty awesome. The gameplay looks pretty awesome. Uh, yeah, it's a it's a it's a mishmash of just like everything that's in there, and uh, uh, I think it's cool. And now you you would uh, I think mentioned to me in the pre-show that you guys are going to make it so that it will it will transcend. Uh, you'll be able to co-play on both Steam and uh, PlayStation yeah. at the same time. With that's right. Well, currently, as I as I kind of mentioned before, whether you pay, play it pancake mode, we all love that term now. Must must find out who actually created that term. Then they need to. Uh, yeah, so, so, I uh, <laughs> maybe I just made it up. Maybe I dreamt it. Who knows? Maybe you uh, 
Um, they can play against VR players currently, obviously. So if you're playing on you know Vive or the Rift, you can play against. Uh, and like I said, most of our players are non-VR. Um, but when we when the PlayStation comes out, you will also be able to play from that um, ecosystem. You better play against the existing PC players and any other system. Yeah, and any other system that we move it to. Mm-hmm. Again, it's all about. It's, we want to create this social network of players. That is our big aim. Um, we don't want to segregate players. Um, that's why, for example, uh, in the future, we, we, we're considering in the future different game modes and things like this, but we haven't done them yet um, on purpose because we don't want to segregate the player base. Mm-hmm. As I alluded to earlier on, um, it's difficult getting noticed in Steam. The player base is fairly small right now. But we don't want to split the player, player base up by having some of them play one mode, some of them play another mode. Uh. So we all play the same mode right now, uh, which is what we call war mode. Uh, that said, that's in the multiplayer kind of aspect of the game, which is kind mm. of, it really is the kind of, uh, the, the core of our game. But we also have single player as well for people who don't particularly like multiplayer or kind of want to get used to the game before they go online. Sometimes it's very intimidating. Although I would say that our Discord community, uh, they're non-toxic at this point in time, which is rare for a multiplayer community. <laughs> it's quite nice to see. Yeah, kind of <laughs> more names. I mean, they're, they're usually yeah, gaming cool. communities are pretty salty. Yes, they are salty. But, but I mean, the beautiful part about them, and I, I have this conversation with a lot of uh, game developers that we have on the show, uh, the beautiful part about them, and, and uh, you know, I've seen Bungie talk about this a lot, is that uh, it's better to have uh, fans that are are really passionate about your game. Now, sometimes it's very angry passionate, sometimes it's very yeah. loving passion. Uh, sometimes it's a mixture of both. It's a hate and love and hate relationship. Uh, you can't make everyone happy, which is the biggest challenge I think game developers have to face. Um, yeah. with trying to balance what points do we, what pain points do we really uh, solve for the community, and what pain points are just not really either resolvable or not really um, uh, indicative of the whole community. Like one of the challenges that we have with the Bungie community is you have all the slackers that go, I don't want to work as hard for stuff and I don't want to grind and, and, but I want all the cool stuff that the grinders get. And yeah. no, they, they seem to be constantly in this toss up. And so I, I can see it'd be really hard um, to, to do customer service and make communities happy. But, you know, Hey, as long as people are fired up about your game and they're so committed to it, you know, I've had games that I quit and I'm like, should I complain about this game? And I'm like, uh, I'm like, no, just screw it. <coughs> Anthem, <coughs> excuse me. Um, just, you know, just give up and move on. Yeah. Um, and uh, then I've had games that I love, but, you know, half the time I'm hating on the game devs and the other time I'm telling them how much I love and want to have their child, um, yeah. which is I weird. Was a, I, was a, yeah. I was a big Eve Online player for many, many years. Uh, Eve Online was literally like my second job. And the amount of people, you know, whenever there was an update, it was Evie's dead. Uh, and, and you still see those same players now, years later. <laughs> Evie's dead. <laughs> They're still working, playing You're playing and you're not. I think it's the same as some of the games. Right right this game's dead. Now it's yeah. it's over. It's over. <laughs> They've killed it. Ah! Ah! Yeah. So, but it is, it's, it's, you know, it is interesting. It's like I said, I think he's the lead designer of Magic the Gathering. He basically talks about it's best to have a few people who really love your game yeah. than have a game that most people think is okay because yeah. people don't play okay games. Yeah. They're the games they love. So 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think Anthem might be falling into that that uh, sphere right now, where it's like it's like okay, it's kind of like a half drooling idiot game that's riding the short bus or something. No offense to people who ride short bus, I should probably say. Uh, they're they're nice people. I'm not sure about the <laughs> game though, but yeah. uh, you know, I mean, you've got to have a game that really captures you, really hooks you. Um, it, it's got to be intuitive from the start. It's got to be, uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff that goes into game developing and gamification. Of course, is an important part in developing the storyline, getting people interested in playing through it, and everything else. So anything more we need to know about the game as we wrap up? I'm going to get a chance to play it and review it soon on the Chris Voss Show and the Chris Voss uh, Gaming.com, so be sure to watch for that. But uh, anything more we need to know about the game? And I would just say on? that you, know, you, you hit on there that game's got to be easy to play, and that was, you know, we wanted this game to be very accessible. Mm -hmm. um, we, we didn't want to confuse things. Uh, we didn't want to confuse players. We wanted to basically hit, have players hit the ground running. So our... You know, we, we've talked many, many times about should we have this kind of feature, that kind of feature. And there's nothing wrong with those features that would... But the trouble is, whenever, whenever a feature comes up as an idea from either our players or internally, if it overcomplicates the game, overcomplicates the interface, the controls, we kind of have to question whether that's the right thing for the game. So we try to keep everything as as, um, as simple to understand as possible. Uh, yeah. Thankfully, that doesn't seem to have kind of... Um, it doesn't seem to have affected the depth of the strategy. Uh, it's great to see our players come up with new strategies. One of the great things about making games, especially tactical games, you know, RTSs or strategy games, is seeing emergent kind of dynamics and emergent strategies that players come up with, stuff that we'd never even thought of, that we either kind of, it's, it's great, or maybe we've got to look out for degenerate strategies that players create. Um, so, but, you know, our Discord community has been great. We, we meet up every Thursday. If anybody's interested in Tabletop Gods, we meet up every Thursday as an official meetup. Obviously, players play all week. Mm -hmm. uh, you can find our Discord. Uh, you can find where that lives on Steam. You can find it from our from www.tabletopgods.com. Uh, you can jump into the Discord. You can ask people what they think about the game before you've even bought it. Uh, we've got a, a lot of players there that will answer questions. We're on there all day. We'll ask any questions anybody has. Uh, and I would just say that um, yeah, give give us a try. Uh, you'll be you'll be cool. And you guys have the Twitch stream. I just uh, checked into. Sometimes you're doing that. I'm going to join you guys at Discord right now. I, I've got a giant Discord of my own of about a thousand people, and uh, I'm going to join yours right now. I love Discord. Isn't Discord just a great app for community building and stuff? It's amazing. Yeah, I was. Yeah. I, I admittedly, I'm very new to Discord. We we, we created Discord for this for this game. Our Discord for this game. And my eyes have been opened. I'm old school, you see, so I still mm -hmm. send emails and things, you know. And uh, <laughs> to see things like Discord is a uh, is an eye opener. It's, fan it's a fantastic way of keeping in touch with players. Getting their, you know, getting their feedback. Uh, after all, we make games for players, not for ourselves. Well, mm -hmm. not entirely for ourselves. Um, you so guys even have you have multiplayer, single player, and a trials in practice mode. So that's pretty so cool. yeah. yeah uh, practice has just been renamed, renamed skirmish because it's more of a skirmish, really. So mm -hmm. yes, yeah, it's just you can go in there, you can decide which faction to play against, uh, which faction you're going to play as, uh, and then you can you, know, you can battle it, battle it out against the AI. The trials mode. Uh, trials mode, we actually change up the rules for trials. So we have several trials arcs. Each arc is eight matches long uh, with an increasing difficulty ramp. And players can basically make their way through those. And we, so we have like the normal war mode, which is the war mode you would play in multiplayer. Uh, we also have um, 
uh, kill the king mode where you have to find the enemy's king he's hiding out in one of the strongholds mm -hmm. so you have to kind of find out where he is and then you've got to kind of hammer him before before he manages to escape at the end of the round oh wow and we have an orderly destruction where you have to destroy the strongholds in a specific order otherwise you you fail uh, and then we have like an insane war mode whereby it's it's kind of war mode but for people who think they're really good at the game they kind of forgot that <laughs> i can't, honestly the last two levels of that our our designer who basically it does most of the balancing is amazing at this game. Uh, I can't finish the last two on that mode, but he can. He showed me. I know it's possible. So. I've always thought it was funny sometimes when I meet game developers and like some of the folks that work at the place. They can't. They can't. Oh man! You know, on Thursday, yeah, we have this meetup, and some of the players they just. I don't. I honestly, it's my game. I'm the first person who started on this game. I. It, the seed came from me. From a, you know, I mean, obviously, like I said, myself and the founders, we we came up with the idea together. But I've worked on this probably like the longest in terms of any of us, and I am quite possibly one of the worst at playing it. Terrible, terrible. So. Well, you know, I mean, I think that's good because I think if everybody at the gaming place uh, can play the game really well, um, I don't think that builds a good game, in my opinion. You, you can correct me if I'm wrong because I don't, I've never been a game developer, and I don't work at a game developer thing. But, but I've kind of analyzed this uh, as I watch different game developers and interviewed them and, and seen interviews of them. Um, to me, if I, I, I want game developers working in a game developer shop that can't beat the game and that struggle with it so they understand what players that struggle go through, you know what I mean? And so they have that, they have that uh, customer service or that customer awareness of what the struggle is like, you know? Because if everyone can beat the game, um, it might not be challenging enough yeah. uh, for, for your high-level players. You're right. One of the problems as a designer that you fall into is that you get you get very very familiar with your own game. You mm -hmm. get very at your own game. So when you're actually doing the difficulty balancing, you can bet your first pass on difficulty balancing is way way too difficult. I think that's what happened with the anthem. People got drinking their own Kool Aid like way too much. They got higher in their own supply too much. <laughs> um, and I, I've seen that in business with companies uh, where people are just operating in their own private Idaho, and yeah. and the and they and and they skip a lot of what they and they and they've spent you know I mean honestly when you guys build games I mean sometimes you guys are building games where you're spending years and years and some companies eight to ten years to build a game and you get so deep in like we know everything about this and it's so it's so uh, second nature to us but they don't realize when they deliver it to the consumer the consumer is like you know it's it's a stranger in a strange land. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, and, uh, it's hard to see things with a fresh perspective. Yeah, like recently, I, I I like to watch when I go into games. I like to watch for intuitiveness. That's a real big thing for me. Even when we do product reviews of like solid products, we like to uh, review based on intuitiveness, like how yeah. easy it is to assimilate. Like I don't like a product or game where I got to go read a damn manual to figure out how to play the game. Yeah. And so I like it when there's those breadcrumbs, those gamification breadcrumbs that are put into a game, especially at the start, that's teaching you about stuff. And it used to be I was an impatient player. I'm like, wow, screw this noise. I'm going to be trained. But now I realize how important some of that stuff is. Um, and, and, and it is frustrating when companies, they don't know how to do the training properly. When they like go, you're going to go through a forced training. Don't put me through a forced training. Put me through some sort of breadcrumb steps or I don't know what you guys call it but some sort of process that okay here's a step in the game yeah that here's
is a big thing. Like I just like one of the games I'm reviewing right now is Metro Exodus, and they do a really good job of of going. Here's another step. Here's another teaching mode for you, and you don't really think about it until afterwards. You're like, oh, that was a teaching moment. Okay, yeah. so this is something I need to learn. Um, so it's it's really cool what you guys do with game development and uh, the challenges you guys have to overcome because uh, it is yeah. tricky. Yeah. That, that onboarding yeah. or first time user experience, the fatui, as, uh, as sometimes referred to, is 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 important. It's it's um it's also incredibly demanding development wise. Mm -hmm. um, our game is although it's it's easy to play. We've had feedback from players like well. well Okay, I know how to place troops in the field, but I don't know which troops to place. You know, when, when they first play, yeah. um, I don't know why. Why should I put this one as opposed to other? So, actually, one of the features that we're implementing right now is a is a help tooltip system, so that they can turn that on, and as they look through the the roster, it gives them some hints as this this troop is good at this. It does these kind of things. Um, it's something that uh, I'll I'll agree we we can do better at uh, in Tabletop Gods um, and in many other games, but I won't speak for them. Um, so it's something we're very mindful of. We we do we just have to place it kind of um, we we have to kind of uh, value it amongst other other demands and in development. But I, I agree with you. I totally agree with you. It's very important. Like, and, and how we segued off this. I mean, that's what I like about when there's people at a game developer community that can't uh, they can't totally master a game or they struggle with it is because they kind of get to see the the front end steps. You know. They're, they're not so deep in the game that they can't see the forest for the trees, if you will, I guess. So. <laughs> I, I, I just put it down to my old slow reactions nowadays. So. <laughs> well, I do you guys Discord. I followed you guys on Twitch, and it'll be really cool. Yeah. Uh, we'll, be inter uh, we'll be introducing uh, our audiences to it, of course, and we'll be doing our full review of Tabletop Gods on the Chris Voss uh, show and Chris Voss gaming.com so be sure to watch for the full review on that and uh, all that good stuff any last thing you want to give us as we part here bud i would just say if anybody's interested uh join the discord ask questions um like i said that these the community is very very friendly right now nice um, all the reviews on steam have been great so far we just need more so do <laughs> <laughs> some reviews if you can but be sure to check it out guys and uh, i think it's a good looking game go check out their website and i believe it's tabletopgods.com isn't it that's the one there you go. There you go. Anyway, folks, we appreciate you guys tuning in. Be sure to give us a like, subscribe to us on YouTube, hit that bell notification button, go to youtube.com forward slash Chris Voss. Follow us, of course, on Twitch. You can find us on twitch.tv forward slash Chris Voss. You can see uh, a lot of the interviews that we're doing here for gaming. We're actually uploading to the podcast over there. Uh, so you can see them on Twitch TV if you just really hate YouTube, you know, so there's that. Uh, also go to ChrisVossGaming.com. You can go to TheChrisVossShow.com and see all the different gaming reviews we're doing and interviews we do. Of course, we have our own Discord, so you can look that up. And also uh, take and go to the Chris Voss Podcast Network at ChrisVossPodcastNetwork.com or the CVPN to see the seven other podcasts that we have. Anyway, thanks for tuning in. We certainly appreciate you guys. We'll see you next time.